Luke chapter 15. While you're turning there, I have a story for you. Now, in this story, I want you to guess who the characters are. Okay, I am one of the characters. I'll just give you that, all right? In my house growing up, there were two boys. We were pretty similar. You'll be surprised by this, but we both had the same parents. <laughs> we both loved sports. We were both very competitive. Um, we both thought we were better than the other, right? As all good brothers do. We both worked on a farm, and uh, we both enjoyed that thoroughly. We were both pretty good looking, gotta say. Okay, all right. I'm not sure if you agreed or what, but anyway. But there was something that set us apart. And that thing that set us apart was one of us was extremely respectful of our parents' money. One of us was extremely respectful of our parents' money. Our parents would often pay for us to go on a trip, so like a youth conference, right? They would put the money up front, and they would allow us to go on those trips, and then they would give us money for food, right? Because teenage boys have to eat, right? And so we would, they would give us money for food, and then they would always give us a little bit extra, like 20 bucks extra, just for some spending money. Okay, so this was the process, and it would happen over and over and over again. We, as a church, we would often do things like this, and so they would be paying for us to do these things and then give us a little bit of spending money on top of that. And I remember receiving that spending money, and I remember that there would always be one of us who would pinch pennies, so to speak, would not get the most expensive meal. Like, if you're going to Wendy's, not getting the Baconator, Right? You're getting maybe a, 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 you know, I don't even know what they call them, a Dave's Single or a Cheesy Cheddar Burger or whatever they are at Wendy's now. The other, give me the Baconator and make it a double, right? They wanted to do this so much. So there was one that was super respectful, the other that could care less, and one would always spend all of the spending money, all of it, would always do it. The other would never, would never spend it. In fact, the one brother would often come to the other, the spender would come to the saver and say, hey, do you have any money left? And the saver would obviously say yes. And the spender would say, can I have some more to buy more junk? You have in your head who I am? Now, I don't want to put my brother down but actually, my brother was the spender. My brother was the spender. I was the saver. And I'll just give you my thought process. And I literally thought this as a teenager, uh, really, as I turned 12, 13, 14, as I started doing these things. I literally, this is the way I thought, my parents are already spending a bunch of money to send me to this thing. I'm not going to spend a bunch of money and, and, and just use and abuse them, right? I wanted to give my parents money back at the end of the day. And my brother, I'm not kidding you, he would come up to me and say, Johnny, do you have any more money left? I'm like, yeah, I got like 50 bucks left. He's like, can I have some? They've got this sweet thing over here. I have to buy it. And I'm like, dude, no. I'm not giving you any more money. This is mom and dad's money. I'm not doing it. I could not, I could not bring myself to squander my parents' money on dumb little trinkets. I just couldn't do it. We would go maybe to Chicago and my, my sister loved 
postcards. And so any place we go, we'd always try and get her a postcard. But you know, at those shops where there's postcards, there's all those dumb little things. My brother would buy anything that tickled his fancy. And I'd be like, I'm not spending mom and dad's money on that junk that I'm just going to throw away at home. He just loved to spend it. Now, I sound like a saint right now, don't I? I totally meant to do that. <laughs> I totally wanted to make myself look better. But listen, I made up for it in a whole lot of other areas, all right? I was pretty, a pretty bad kid. I had some pretty bad behavior. But in one thing, I was pretty good. Now, let me ask you this question. When it comes to God, when it comes to your relationship with him, how do you view God? Do you view God by all the blessings that he has blessed us with? Are you thankful for them? Or do we view him for what we can get from him? I remember my brother always saying, Mom, can I have money? 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 Constant money pit, my brother was. And now my brother's far more financially stable than we are, which is so funny to me. And so I look at these things and I think, wow, how do we look at God? Do we view him as, God, give me, give me, give me, or God, thank you, thank you, thank you? It's a pretty simple question. God has blessed us with so much. Most of us that sit in this room live in a nice house, whether rented or with your parents or whether you own it. We have food enough for at least two meals a day, whether you choose to eat breakfast or not. We have a great country, great enough that we get the opportunity to complain about the politicians, right? We live in a great country. We have cars that we get to complain about the gas prices. God's blessed us. We have jobs so that we can complain about how much income tax we have to pay. I just did that because I just paid my income tax, right? Oh, to pay all this stuff, right? We have a church to come to. We have hobbies that we get to partake in. We have family. We have friends. We have health. We have money in the bank. We have so, 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 so much. And God has richly blessed us with so much. So let me ask you this morning, what have we done with it? What have we done with that which God has blessed us with? Hopefully you're in Luke chapter 15 by now, and we've spent a good deal of time here, but I would just kind of want to reiterate what the context of this whole passage is in verse 1. Then drew near unto him the publicans and sinners for to hear him. That's important to remember. Publicans and sinners. We've spent a great deal of time understanding who the publicans and sinners were. These were people who were not the elite of society. They were the outcasts, the, the downtrodden, the people who didn't really, uh, people didn't fit into society. And these people, they are coming to hear Jesus. They're coming to listen to him. And, verse 2, the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Oh, brother, look at Jesus. He's spending time with sinners. He's eating with them. Ew, gross. How could he ever do that? They are the outcasts. They're the wicked. They're the dogs. We don't want them near us. And they began to murmur and complain. And so Jesus, in verse 3, begins, in verse 4, asks them a question about losing one sheep out of a hundred. So you have 99 left in the wilderness, and he explains, hey, that shepherd will go and find that sheep. And we asked the question last week, how valuable is that lost soul, is that lost sheep? 
to you. And then the next portion he illustrates with a woman who has ten coins and loses one. What does she do? She sweeps the house and she looks for it and lights a candle and looks in every nook and cranny trying to find that one coin that's lost. And when she does find it, what happens? She receives it. She rejoices about it. She calls her family. She calls her friend and rejoices over one coin that was found. Likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. Jesus then finishes these thoughts with the parable of a man with two sons. I want you to notice something interesting, and I'm not sure uh, I'll get into a whole lot here today, but we go from 100 to 10 to 2. Each time we're getting more and more personal. So look with me in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. The Bible says this. And he said, this is Jesus, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And notice, he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took the journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now I want you to stop, and I want you to understand, I am the older brother. Okay? I am older than my brother Zach. So this is my brother, right? He asks for more money, and then what does he do? He wastes it, all right? He's going to kill me if he ever hears this. When I read the Bible, though, I like to ask a lot of questions. And by the way, I challenge you, ask a lot of questions about the Bible. The Bible can handle your questions, and so I begin to ask some questions. So let me ask you some of the questions that I have from this passage this morning. Did the father have to give his sons their portion of the inheritance at this time? No, he didn't have to. It's not written in law that when somebody asks for it, you have to give it, okay? Now let me ask this question. Was the son wrong, the younger son wrong, for asking his father for his inheritance? There are people that will say yes. Here's the reality. At its basis for no. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. Sure, there's all kinds of things. Listen, your father's not even dead yet. Why are you asking? Right? You just wish him to be dead. Again, we can spend a lot of time thinking about that, but the reality is, hey, dad, will you give me my inheritance now? Not a bad question. Depend, all depends on your perspective, but I want you just to think about these things. Okay? Let me ask this question. Was the son wrong for leaving his father and taking a journey into a far country? Again, someone's like, well, yeah. No, just hold on. Just at its basis form. Is it wrong for a son to ask for inheritance and then take that and go somewhere with it? Again, no, okay? Let, let me try to explain some of these things. And these are questions that I think need to be asked. So again, the son asked his dad for his inheritance. Really, something that he didn't work for. Just a blessing. God, give, dad, give me my blessing, the thing that I... Uh, my inheritance, his dad freely gives it to him. He then takes it and leaves with it. Now before we get too far into this story, parables are often written to help us understand a spiritual truth. They're written for that purpose. And I believe there's one spiritual truth here to understand, and we're going to get that at the end, but there are so many parts of this story that I believe that we can 
and we should apply to our lives today. So I want you to see number one, the purpose of blessing. The purpose of the blessing. Number one, this son simply asks for his inheritance. Hey dad, do you think that I could have my inheritance now? Sure. Again, not necessarily a bad thing, and we can nuance that if we want, but he just asks for it. Now let me ask you this question. What was the purpose of an inheritance? What was the purpose of an inheritance? I want you to think about the purpose of an inheritance in our society, right? My parents go, they're probably not going to leave me much of an inheritance. What's the purpose of an inheritance? Most of us think, give me, give me my inheritance. I want it. I want, I want to use it. I want to buy a new car. I want to buy this. I want to buy that. I want to do this. I want to do that. But here's the reality. I believe biblically the purpose of an inheritance in those days was to further the family estate. Especially in, the, in Old Testament times. It was to further the family estate, whether in immediate proximity. Okay, so you're going to leave here from my piece of land and you're going to take a step, one step over. And I'm going to give you that piece of land as an inheritance. You're going to build that up and you're going to continue to move that and progress that on. Building the family estate. Or... He could have taken that, and as a wise steward, he could have gone into a far country and invested it. And again, making a good name for he and his family, making a good profit. Let me put it this way. It was used for the good of the family name. Inheritance was used for the good of the family name. Let me put it this way. It was used to honor the family name. Honor was a big deal. Let me ask you this. Has God given you blessings? Let me ask this question then. What is the purpose of God's blessings on our life? What is the purpose of God's blessings on our life? Why does God bless his children? Why did God allow me to grow up in the United States and come to Canada? Why did God give me a wonderful wife and great children? Why did God allow me to come to this church? Why did God allow me to have a house? Why does God allow me to have a car? Why did God allow the bus to break down and have that person there? Why do the blessings of God come on our lives? What's the purpose of them? If you're in the habit of writing things down, I want to challenge you to write this down. The purpose of God's blessings is to honor his name. Don't miss that. Write it down Put it to memory, the purpose of God's blessings is to honor his name. You say, I don't believe you. Let's go to Psalm chapter 67. Psalm chapter 67. Psalm chapter 67. We're going to read the whole passage. It's only seven verses. I want you to see this. The purpose of God's blessing is to honor his name. Look at the Bible. The Bible says, God, be merciful unto us and bless us. And cause his face to shine upon us, Selah. Why? Why? That thy way may be known upon the earth. Thy saving health among all nations. So God, please bless us so that the whole world may know who you are. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee, 
faithful, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth, Selah. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase. And God, even our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. So listen, the purpose of God's blessing is so that the whole world may know who God is. This is part of why God blesses. This is part of why God continues to this day to bless and protect his people Israel. That all the world may know. Listen, Israel should never be a country. Let's just be honest. Right? If you look at it, it's like, what in the world? Who are these people? But listen, God continues to bless them so that his name can be known across the entire earth. Another purpose of blessing is very simply this, to progress his blessing upon other people. Luke chapter, chapter 6 and verse 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all shall it be measured to you again. Listen, God wants to bless you, but until you give, he's not going to bless. you got to give so he can bless, and you got to give so he can bless. You get to be a blessing to others so God can be a blessing to you, so you can be a blessing to others, and God will be a blessing to you so that you can be a blessing to others. And it continues on with the whole purpose of progressing and honoring his name and magnifying his name. And so we see the purpose of the blessing, the purpose of the inheritance, the purpose of the blessing here. But I want you to see, number two, the problem with our perspective. The problem with our perspective. What did the younger son do with the inheritance? Look at verse 13. Luke chapter 15 and verse 13. Go back there to Luke chapter 15 and verse 13. And not many days after, so it was pretty quick. He spun this around, liquefied his assets, and takes off. The younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, watch, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Okay, so this is where we begin to see the perspective of the younger son. We begin to see his intentions. We begin to see his purpose. We read the first couple of verses and we're like, well, it's not that big of a deal, but this is really where things start to take root. This is where we begin to see the heart of the problem, his perspective. I want you to notice that he wasted his substance with riotous living. Let me put it to you this way. He wasted it on himself. He wasted it on himself. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. But I believe it's time that we start to realize that we have been squandering the blessings of God on ourselves. I believe it's time that we started to realize that we have been wasting the substance that God the Father has given to us on riotous living. We've been doing what we want to do. We've been wasting it on the things that we want to do. Listen, we have been incredibly blessed by God. But let me ask the question again. What have we done with it? What have we done with it? We, just like the prodigal son, squander it on riotous living. 
Many of us have not invested into the kingdom of God. We haven't used the blessings of God to honor his name. In fact, what we've used God's blessings for is to make ourselves look better. Again, that may be not a blanket statement, but it sure is a prominent theme. We tell God something like this. Give me, give me, give me. Give me so I can be happier. Give me, give me, give me so I can have more fun. Give me, give me, give me so I can be more popular. Give me, give me, give me so everybody will look at me and look how much stuff I have and look how wonderful I am and be, oh, so popular in the eyes of everybody around me. Listen. The prodigal son goes out and he's got a load of cash, right? And guess what? Everybody's his buddy. Everybody's his best friend. He, he walks up, forgive my, my language in church, but he walks up to the bar. He slams the money down and says, drinks are on me, boys. Everybody loves that. Hey, let's have a party. I'm buying everything. Let me set this up. And he lives, right? He's living. He has all these friends. He's popular. Everybody loves him. He's having a good time. He is. He's living life. But here's the deal. We are the same way. Oh, we may not go to the bar and slap stuff down. But listen, we'll say, hey, everybody, look at me. Look what I have. Look at my new boat. Look at my new car. Look at my new house. Look at how much God has blessed me. Look at the talents God has blessed me with. Blessings and blessings and blessings. Look at me. Give me so I can squander. I want you to look back at verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion. My goods. He never told his father so I can squander it. He never said that. He knew his intention all the time, and so sometimes we're the same way. We ask God all the time for blessings to be poured out on us. God, would you please bless us? God, would you please bless us? God, I need some more money. God, please give me the ability that I need. God, please, please, please bless me. There comes a point where we don't receive them. We don't receive the blessings anymore. And James chapter 4 and verse 3 says, because we ask amiss. That we might consume it upon our lusts. So often we're asking, give me, give me, give me, so that we can squander, squander, squander. And guess what that does? That begins the spiral downwards. The spiral downwards. I want you to look what happens further in verse 14. He spent and wasted his substance with riotous living. I love this. Watch verse 14. And when he had spent all, he was out of money. When he had spent all, watch what happens. There just happened to arise, arose a mighty famine in that land. And guess what? He began to be in want. How many of you have ever heard of Murphy's Law? Anybody? Murphy's Law states this. If anything can go wrong... It will. If anything can go wrong, it will. And it usually happens when you don't have any money left. 
Here's my example of Murphy's Law. We had just bought our house. And we're living there, and everything's going good. We bought it in July. Everything's going good, and we're, you know, kind of doing a few things to the house, and we're really, really, really low on cash. Guess what happens? February, the furnace breaks. Murphy's Law. And it always, to me, maybe not to you, but to me, it always happens when I don't have any money to pay for it. It happens all the time. Listen, this story right here is the prime example of Murphy's Law. Listen, we're going to credit it to Murphy, but listen, God had a plan. God had a direct plan for this. It didn't just so happen that there was a mighty famine in the land. God knew exactly what he was doing. This young man lived it up, had a great time, and now he has nothing left. Before he can do anything else, God brings a famine in the land. Don't miss this. Listen, God will allow you to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Oh, you will enjoy it, but it will only be for a season. God will allow us to live in prosperity for a season. Canada. God will live us, allow us to live in prosperity for a season, Bible Baptist. God will allow us to live in prosperity for a season, but at some point, don't miss this, God will bring us to our knees. God will bring us to our knees. At some point, God is going to take that which we're resting in, our finances, our government, our health, our family, At some point, God is going to take what we are resting in and remove it. At some point, God is going to allow something to come into our lives for this purpose, to help us to remember who God is. Look at verse 15. He began to be in want, verse 14, verse 15, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. I love it. And I just, I just had all these friends, all these buddies that I just had in, in a moment. As soon as the money's all gone, nobody wants to give to me. Verse 17, and when he had come to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. It's my favorite part about this. The thought of his father re-enters his mind. This is the moment where he starts to think logically. This is the moment where he starts to think properly. This is the moment where the father re-enters his mind. Listen, God had brought him to a place where he had nothing left. Nothing. The only friends that he had at this time were the pigs. And at this time, he was fighting for food with the pigs. Husks. I don't know if you've ever eaten a husk. But quite frankly, I probably wouldn't recommend it. It would probably not feel very good in your teeth. 
Probably not feel very good going down. But listen, that's all he has to eat. He is literally at the end of himself. He had nothing left. He didn't have anywhere else to turn. His only choice was to live in the mire and slop with the pigs or go back to my father. That's his only two choices. I think maybe some of us have gotten to this point. We've hit rock bottom. We have nowhere else to turn. No friends, no family, no help. Can I encourage you this morning, would you reach out to Jesus? With the thought of Jesus, with the thought of your heavenly Father, re-enter your mind and think, listen, I remember when it was good. I remember when I had all I needed. I remember when Jesus gave me everything that was needed. I remember. Can the thought of Jesus re-enter your mind? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've squandered the blessings of God on yourself. Maybe you still have a little bit left. Listen, I look at Canada and I think, wow, what a great country we have. But listen, hear me, we are squandering the blessing of God. We're squandering it. What are we going to do with the freedoms that we have? Are we going to sit here in, our, in the church and just allow these things to go on? Or are we going to get out with the freedom that we still have and announce that Jesus Christ is the Savior of this world? Listen, don't squander it. We have a wonderful opportunity. We still have freedom So can I encourage you, maybe you haven't hit rock bottom yet. Maybe you still have some resources that God can use. Listen, would you reach out to Jesus? Say, Father, I've wasted. I've wasted some of my substance and I don't want to waste what I have left. Please help me to invest it. Come back to Jesus. Come back to the Father. The Father in this story is often pictured as God. Often pictured as God. So I want you to see number three, the persistence of the Father. Probably the most moving part of this story, verse 20, the Bible says, and he arose and came to his Father. Here it is. But when he was yet a great way off, the Father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight in him. No more worthy to be called thy son. The thing that he had rehearsed probably over and over and over. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Why? For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Joy in heaven. Joy in heaven. I want you to notice something, though, about this story compared to the other two. I want you to notice that the father did not go out searching for the son. The father did not go out searching for the son, but I do want you to notice that the father was patiently waiting for his son to return patiently waiting for his son to return. Listen, the father did not give up on the son. He was persistent. He was waiting. He kept looking for him. He kept scanning the horizon. Maybe it'll be today. Maybe it'll be today. And then when that silhouette of his son 
rises over the horizon. His father sees him afar off. And I love that word, and had compassion. Listen, his stomach feeling began to rise up in him. And he thought, that's him. That's my son. And he takes off and he runs at him. Listen, and he meets him and he hugs him and he kisses him and says, this is my son who was lost, who walked away from me, who wasted his substance. He has no shoes on his feet. He has no clothes that, that even represent him. My son who was dead is now found. Sure, I can be mad at him. He blew all his substance Everything that I worked hard for, he gave up. And he messed up. He sure lived for himself. But in this moment, in this moment right here, this son humbled himself. Humbled himself and reached out to the only one who could help him. The only one who could help him. Can I ask you this morning, what is stopping you from coming back to Jesus today. Oh, you say, Pastor Jones, I'm in church this morning. Obviously, I'm walking with Jesus. That's not what I asked. Coming to church doesn't make you a good Christian. Coming to church doesn't make you have a wonderful relationship with God. Coming to church doesn't allow you to invest in the kingdom of God in and of itself. Listen, we have to be with Jesus every single day. Let me ask you, what is stopping you from coming back to him? Is it pride? Is it pride? What? Listen, it doesn't matter if it's pride. Jesus is waiting. What, what is stopping you from coming back to Jesus today? Is it fear of failure? Might as well give it up because you've already failed. We've all failed. We've all fallen flat on our face. Every single one of us. Listen, Jesus is waiting. Is it fear of rejection? Listen. Jesus is not going to reject you. Come to him. Reach out to him today. Jesus is waiting. I believe this with all my heart. As long as you think you can handle it, you'll never return. As long as you think, I've got this, I can handle it, listen, you will never return. You will stay away. But when you realize that Jesus is the only one you can depend on, that's when you'll run back to him. Listen, you don't have to hit rock bottom in order to hear, see that. You can begin trusting him today. James chapter 4 and verse 8, and I'll finish with this. The Bible says this, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Listen to this. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. This man wanted nothing more than to live for himself. And when he decided that he was going to draw an eye to his father, his father sees him afar off and runs to him. Draw an eye to God. Perhaps this morning it's time we stop living for ourselves and squandering our lives and started living with the blessings of God for the purpose of honoring him. And listen, there might be one person that's listening to this today that does not know Jesus as personal Savior. You're not even a child of God yet. Can I encourage you to come to Jesus? You still have the same choice to, to live in the mire and muck of this world or to come to Jesus.
And I encourage you, come. Come to him today. Those that come, he will in no wise cast out. Draw nigh to him, and he will draw nigh to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. Father, I pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture, Father, that you would convict our hearts about how we handle your blessings. Father, help us to stop living for ourselves. Start living with you in mind. Father, I pray if there's one here today that doesn't know you, Father, that today would be the day that they understand they need, they need you. That a life lived without you is really no life at all. It's just, uh, it's muck, it's mire. Father, you can lift us up, set our feet on a solid rock. You can give us blessings so that we can honor you with them. That we can let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Help us to live our lives for you. We pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you just to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a second. Maybe today you would say you need to make a decision. I would challenge every person to make a decision here this morning. Maybe you would say and maybe write down, I've been squandering the blessings of God on my own life. I've been doing what I want to do. Today I need to reach out to Jesus again. And I need to start living my life for him. And maybe you're here today and you would say, ah, I've never even entered into a relationship with Jesus. I don't even really know much about him. But I want to find out more about him today. And can I encourage you? Would you please come see me afterwards? Would you please talk to maybe Pastor Levi or Pastor Holland? Just know Jesus as your personal Savior. He can lift you up. We're going to take some time right now to make a decision, and I would challenge you to make that decision. Let's give, that, give you some time right now.